everyone, and thank you for listening to Brain Foods, the podcast on women change makers. I'm your host, Hannah Becker, and today I have the great pleasure to introduce you to Anna Maria. Anna Maria is a senior solution architect at AWS. She's from Romania, but has lived in Denmark for over a decade. Anna Maria, you originally came to Denmark to study for a master's degree in IT, and now you work as a senior solution architect at AWS, and before you were even the CTO of another company. Can you tell us a little bit about your expectation when you came to Denmark to study IT and how has it helped you to land a job with AWS? I work in a role that didn't even exist 10 to 12 years ago, right? I'm um, a senior solutions architect, which means that on a day-to-day basis, um, I advise companies into moving into the cloud and uh, be better with technology and uh, at, at building Uh, workloads in the cloud. So ever since I was little, um, I was actually very passionate about video games. And I have always wanted to move to Western Europe to be part of the video gaming industry. So Denmark was a very good option to me because it offered free education. um, And my parents couldn't really afford me to keep me at university. So I thought that I would freelance my way to a career in Denmark. And um, my expectations were to be able to acquire the necessary education in order to land a job in uh, video gaming, as I mentioned before. And I must say that Denmark certainly didn't disappoint from this point of view. Um, (laughs) I was positively impressed with the curriculum uh, that Mm. was available at the university at the time. Um, I felt it was very close, uh, following very closely with uh, international technology trends and that it provided me with the necessary knowledge to be competitive on the market. Now, today we want to discuss a little bit the topic about how to scale digital equality and well-being. Um, We have goal number three from the Sustainable Development Goals that want to ensure healthy lives and say also we should promote more well-being for all at all ages. In your personal opinion, what is the connection to digital equality and well-being when it comes to tech? I can tell you how I personally experienced the improvement in digital equality and well-being uh, growing up and uh, how that uh, impacted my general well-being. So I grew up in post-communist Romania, right? Uh, The revolution took place in 1989 when I was just one year old. And um, I witnessed firsthand the country's transformation and opening up to the West. And um, while I believe Romania still has a lot of way to go when it comes to establishing uh, especially a, a, an electronic government and um, the digital quality of life index seems to reflect this, um, my coming of age actually corresponds with the rise of the internet in the country. Um, so going through that and living through that, from my perspective, digital quality and well-being actually supercharge the real world uh, quality and well-being because First of and foremost, uh, it brings uh, forward an influx of information and new perspectives that can really open up one's world, right? So just imagine uh, growing up uh, in a mountain town, because that's where I used to live, and um, yeah. pretty much 
just books lying around and several TV channels to watch, and then suddenly getting access to the internet and being able to listen to American songs and uh, join online forums uh, on subjects of interest such as photography and programming. It, it was really eye-opening for me. Um, so I got access to internet roughly in primary school, and at that point in life, it gave me a much better view of uh, what I could become at, at that point in time, a, a better view than what, for example, my professors could, could show me. Moreover, it, it gave me access to a digital safe space and uh, to discuss subjects that were either taboo or at least very narrowly treated in Romania at that time, right? So it, it, it was a no a new world and an open one. Internet is just the stepping stone into digital equality and well-being, right? Yeah. So once this foundation is put in place, consolidating the building blocks uh, can bring multiple other advantages to one's quality of life. And uh, this is what I actually experienced when I moved to Denmark. Um, Denmark topped the Digital Quality of Life Index, and while I cannot really speak to it, electronic infrastructure and security that much, uh, two other aspects definitely stood out for me when I moved here. So the, the first one was the presence of a reliable electronic government that pervaded all aspects of life. So the moment you enter Denmark, you are required to create a CPR number, uh, which is used to identify you throughout different electronic systems. And you can use that to create a bank account, to submit your taxes, or manage your electronic health record, and uh, many other uses. Um, last year, for example, I have gone through the process of acquiring a property here in Denmark. And um, it was really surprising to see how you can achieve this without physically setting foot into um, any kind of Danish institution. You save an immense amount of time by uh, just being able to do everything remotely, not having to wait in line to either pay your bills, uh, find information, or get, get documents approved legally. Um, in Romania, on the other hand, very few institutions actually offer digital services and uh, they are definitely not as well linked as they are in Denmark because uh, they're, 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 there is a lack of a centralized system. Yeah, but this covers uh, one aspect. I, I mentioned uh, I, there, there were two. So the other aspect that really stood out for me was um, internet affordability. Uh, here we don't have such a big difference between Denmark and Romania, I believe, uh, because both countries have a good and affordable internet access. But in Denmark, we see a lot higher, a significantly higher income, while in Romania, the internet is a lot cheaper in, in price. However, um, I would say that in Romania, the price for the electronic devices that people use to access the internet is um, is is a lot no it's it's roughly the same as in Denmark but the salary being a lot higher in Denmark it this actually boils down to Romanians having less money to spend overall for a high digital quality of life and uh, this is partly reflected in the fact that only a total of 86% of Romanian families have internet access at home as opposed to 96% in Denmark wow but even more important than that Sorry? I, I said I did not know this. This is a really, this yeah. is a new fact for me. Yeah, yeah. 
but there's even more to that because um, I think even more important is the fact that in Romania, the level of computer literacy, so the level at which people know how to use a computer is a lot lower. So the, despite access, wide access to internet, it's uh, roughly at 10% of the population, according to Statistic Netherlands. And compare that again to Denmark, where, where it is at 50% of the population. So in Denmark, over half the population has above basic overall digital mm. skills. And um, this, this is a clear indicator that in Romania, the internet is currently used for a very limited range of activities, mostly entertainment, and um, it's definitely not seen as a cornerstone of digital society and democracy or a technology to necessarily improve the quality of life. So this also makes adoption of digital services extremely hard in the day-to-day -day operation of public institutions, um, especially when, as I mentioned before, the offering is limited and not really shining in terms of uh, user friendliness. Really cool. I mean, you mentioned it here in between the digital quality of life index. Maybe important to mention that this is uh, basically a survey that is conducted by a company called Surfshack in they operate in cybersecurity and they rank countries based on five fundamental digital well-being pillars. And if you think like digital well-being, this sounds so odd, but I've never heard about this. Probably you're not the only one. This is quite a new index. Um, but they rank internet affordability, which you just nicely mentioned here just in our conversation, internet quality, electronic infrastructure and security, as well as electronic government and we can see that like Denmark is just breaking the record on this index is ranked consistently really high now also in 2021 um, was absolutely on on the top level here um, it's it's really cool do you think from your experience also in AWS I would be super curious to hear from you how technology can be used, particularly if we think about AWS cloud technology to bridge the gap in digital equality and well-being. So Amazon Web Services, for example, is a cloud, cloud services provider, right? So what it basically allows you to do is to consume technology without actually owning it, right? You pay on you you pay as you go. It's a bit like consuming electricity, but in this case, you would consume uh, compute services or storage solutions or so on and so forth. And uh, this model has a direct impact on digital equality and well-being. Firstly, because the cost of maintaining electronic infrastructure goes down considerably when you're using cloud services because one can benefit from the massive economies of scale. So since a lot of the, the usage comes from hundreds of thousands of customers, then it is aggregated in the cloud and Amazon Web Services can offer a lower pay-as-you-go price as you go along. Um, in fact, it has periodically reduced the uh, prices across the board throughout its services. So since uh, 2006, Amazon Web Services has reduced prices roughly 107 times. So nowadays oh. it is a lot cheaper 
yeah, it, it is a bit of, you know, like a snowball effect. Uh, yeah. uh, the more you grow, the more you grow, but uh, the more you can also bring prices down. Also, re re less, less risk when it, when it comes to using the cloud services. Going on a pay-as-you-go model, you also have the option to very fast or uh, to very fastly um, bring up resources or spin them down as you experiment with workloads. Maybe you want to try something out, but uh, it doesn't look too well, or maybe uh, your, your project has a lot of success um, and then you need to scale up very fast. You have this possibility in the cloud to be very agile about the way you do things and at the same time experiment without uh, risking too much money upfront. Um, it was still related to cost, but a, a bit from a different perspective, right? Yeah. I'm especially curious about the yeah. aspect of risk that you mentioned, just because I work in, in risk myself. What type of risk does it really mitigate to, let's say, switch to a cloud provider like, like AWS? I mean, it's actually much, you, you get a much lower risk by moving into the cloud, because especially depending on the size of your company, you might not have like a very well established security department that uh, keeps up with the latest trends, so to speak, in hacking and the, the later ex latest exploits that have yeah. been discovered, right? Um, but when you when you move to the cloud, well, what you actually agree to sort of co-own with the cloud is a shared responsibility model, mm. uh, which actually means that uh, you own the security in the cloud, while the cloud provider, in this case AWS, owns the security of the cloud. So everything that has to do with the infrastructure, so everything from actually providing electricity to the devices, physical security of the data centers, but even, you know, higher up in level when it comes to operating system patching and making sure that the machines are secure, um, that is handled by the cloud provider. Uh, so is everything that has to do with denial of service attacks or hacking attempts and so on and so forth. In the end, I think moving to the cloud is mostly a challenge, a cultural challenge, and um, it's a pro process that you have to drive internally to uh, help people wrap their heads around the cloud and uh, understand that uh, in order to be agile, you have to think differently, uh, you have to think in shorter sprints, you have to change the way you work internally and maybe reorganize your teams. So it's a, it's a technical change as much as it is a cultural one. That is really interesting aspect, I think, especially the cultural change about um, bringing not only your technology to the cloud, but also your people in an organization to the, to the cloud. I can imagine that's not easy. So I'll just ask you right away here for like three best practices that you have maybe seen or heard of um, that companies use to build this culture to get people to things we do ourselves at AWS and that we also recommend our customers to do is to work backwards from mm. their use case and from their own customers. So AWS is a very customer centric company, uh, which means that we obsess over our customers and we also um, encourage our customers to do the same. So if you want to transform your business and move to the cloud, I would say it's very important to not focus on, you know, having taken this decision. We've decided to move to the cloud. It's the now or never. No, you should actually take a step back and think about your own customers, think about you know, the problems you're trying to solve and try to map how the 
cloud processes would um, would then look like or how your current processes the ones that um, you're using to solve those specific customers problems would tr translate to the cloud right the cloud is uh, the solution for a lot of workloads but it's not necessarily the solution for all of them and you shouldn't just follow you know worldwide trends you should definitely look at your own company situation and assess uh, how how that could happen yeah um other tips and tricks uh, the second one would be yeah exactly just the one i mentioned so all technical projects are usually also about human beings so mm. don't leave the human element out of it and um, the third one is to of course um, have a plan divide and conquer and just take it in baby steps how have you seen or what is your what's your thought on um aws or just cloud technology in general helping these type of gaps in educational outcomes how can they be bridged do you have a juicy example for us one such example that i would like to mention is uh, south africa so educational institutions in south africa are adopting aws and uh, this is transforming education across the country uh, because it's making uh, teaching um, delivery much more effective yeah. and um, education management and research a lot more collaborative. Uh, one example of a university in South Africa that works with AWS is the University of Pretoria. It is one of the largest universities in South Africa and it started working with AWS in 2016. Um, currently, it runs its website, its uh, learning management system, um, analytics, and also all the postgraduate experiments in machine learning on AWS. So this enabled the university to be rated top among all of the South African universities out there when it comes to research into artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, but it's uh, not only that, you mentioned services like Amazon Fstream or Amazon Workspaces, mm. which allow students and teachers to ac access virtual desktops or Windows applications from literally anywhere in the world. Um, and this was also the case when COVID-19 hit. Uh, so when Corona hit, the University of Witwatersrand, or WITS for short, uh, they migrated their learning management system to AWS in just a few days because, yeah, as I mentioned before, it's very little risk uh, yeah, yeah. associated with moving to the cloud. Mm. And then the availability and the scalability and the security compliance that they got, got out of the box with AWS enabled WITS to provide uninterrupted learning experience to students and postgraduate, even though the country was under national lockdown. Um, and these are just some examples from our customers. Um, but I also want to mention that AWS has their own initiative well, when it comes to making you know, proactive investments in education, training, or certification. Anna Maria, having heard about your success story as an engineer, software developer, CTO, and now senior solution architect, what would be the brain fruits, the recommendations that you would give for anyone, but especially women that want to get started with a purposeful career in tech? Yeah, I, I would say that no matter who you are and no matter what you actually want to do, um, what career you want to explore, you should 
seek as many perspectives as possible. So reach out to mentors, both men and women, try to clarify all the questions that you might have and uh, try to find people that can really guide you uh, because your your perfect job might, might not even be out there yet, right? Like it happened in my case. I don't think 20 years ago I would have even thought about the idea of, oh, you, you can be a cloud architect and advise other people on how to, to join the cloud. If you would have asked me then, it would have most likely been, yeah, I just want to do video games and uh, also play them for the rest of my life. So it's very important to, to really uh, look out for a different perspective and to be connected with the people who are maybe, you know, closer to the pulse of things and to the pulse of technology to, to really figure out what you want to do. But um, I think on a more personal note, I think it's uh, very important to not let anyone define what you can and cannot do. I think it was Henry Ford that said, whether you think you can or cannot, you are right. So this says a lot about how much your attitude determines your success or failure. So yeah. really don't, don't let anyone define that for you. Yeah. And I, I would say, last thing, try it out. Mm. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Because I interrupt you. I, th I think I love this <laughs> yeah. quote so much. It's like, whether you think you can or you cannot, you're probably right. It's something that for a lot of people, it's very scary. Like they're just like, oh, just because I think of it, I won't make it. Well, that's already the wrong attitude because then you're already so scared that just by thinking that you might be able to do it, um, you will in the end not do it. So you actually do believe you cannot do it. So you really fail at the first um, at the first premise already. So this is, I, I really like that you're, that you're saying that. And I see also you have some great recommendations for literature and um, some books here from the good read list. Can you name maybe one or two of those and we'll definitely also post them? Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a very big reader. I try to read as much as possible, also because it's a very good way to uh, experience other lives and get multiple perspectives in, right? Um, and when, when it comes to technology, I mean, I, I can think of a lot of examples, uh, but I'll try to give one in each field, so to speak. So, for example, a very good uh, book for understanding how a tech company works, I think, is uh, the Phoenix Project. So that, that's actually a classic. Um, what is super nice about it is that it, it explains in a very engaging narrative um, how complex IT systems are built. And uh, yeah, you can treat it at the very technical level, but it's also a very engaging story to just read through. Um, and yeah, once you pick it up, you can't really let it down. And uh, um, it's a classic, a lot of people know about it. If you're looking for something, um, especially around the female perspective on, on tech, um, I can recommend another book. And this is Uncanny Valley by Anna Weiner. Um, and uh, it, it tells the story of how she moved from a career in book publishing to working in different flashy startups of uh, Silicon Valley. I, I think my last recommendation tying also to um, how important it is to really own your your own destiny and narrative and uh, do things. Um, I also would want to recommend Educated by Tara Westover. So in contrast to the other two books, I mentioned this one is um, less technical. It's more about the importance of education and 
about uh, believing in oneself and uh, again really owning your invention of the self or of, of your own identity. Especially love the um, angle on mentorship because we are also currently looking into starting a mentorship platform in the in the future with Brainfood. So oh, this nice. is a really a really cool um, angle that you bring in. Thank you so much, Anna Maria, um, for taking the time today to be on Brain Foods. Where can people find you? Oh, my pleasure to be here. So I'm very easy to reach on LinkedIn, um, also on Instagram, uh, but that's more for like photography, but uh, especially if it's about mentoring and tech and hearing more about how it is to work in the cloud, you can reach out on LinkedIn um, and just message me. I usually answer all the time. Cool, um, a cool shout out from you that people can actually also just contact you. I am um, just left to say a big thank you to being part of the Brain Foods podcast. My pleasure. It was really nice to be here. <laughs>